This is a podcast from the Business Times. Starting the week, Singapore stocks fell in early trade on Monday, February 27th, following losses in US and Europe markets. The Straits Times Index fell 0.3% at the open and closed in the red down by 0.6% to 3,263.24 points. On Tuesday, Singapore stocks rose in early trade following gains in US and Europe markets. The SDI rose 0.2% in the morning, but ended little changed as regional markets saw mixed trading. The SDI nudged down 0.02% to close at 3,262.63 points. At the midweek, Singapore stocks rose in early trade following losses in US and Europe markets. The SDI rose 0.1%, but fell 0.2% to close at 3,255.08 points, amid rising concerns of persistent inflation. Gold prices edged lower as the dollar ticked up, while investors braced for more US interest rate hikes amid stubbornly high inflation. And on Thursday, Singapore shares saw declines again, with the SDI sliding 0.6%, to close at 3,234.9 points. It's Friday, March 3rd. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Singapore stocks rose in early trade following gains in US and Europe markets. The SDI rose 0.3% to 3,244.4 points at the open. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, Wrapping the trading week for us. The first four sessions of the week saw the SDI decline 1.4%. This was in line with global markets as new data points this week indicated continued inflation, hardening expectations that high interest rates would be enforced longer than expected. In the month of February, SDI declined 3%, negating the 4% gains in January and in line with the FTSE APEC index 3% decline. This brings the year-to-date price returns of SDI to 0.3%. Capital Corporation was the best-performing SDI constituent in February, with 11% gains, while Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust led the decliners with 9% price dip. Looking back in the Singapore market, outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were Delphi, Propnex, and Golden Energy and Resources. While AEM Holdings, Samcock Marine and Yenlock Land Group led the decline. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 1st of March, we observed net institutional fund outflows of $370 million. By sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen across financial services at $278 million, followed by telcos at $42 million and industrials at $36 million. On the other hand, consumer cyclicals saw the highest net inflows of $32 million. By stocks, largest outflows were seen in DBS, UOB and Capital Corporation, while largest inflows were seen across Samcock Marine, Genting Singapore and Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust. This follows on from heavy trading on the new Samcock Marine counter post the completion of its merger with Capital Offshore and Marine. Across the whole month of February, the Singapore market observed $440 million of net institutional outflows, with financial services, industrials and telco sectors leading the net outflows. On the other hand, consumer cyclicals received the most net institutional inflows of $102 million. Globally, consumer cyclicals were also among the best-performing sectors this year. 
by stocks, DBS, Capital Corporation and Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust saw the most net insti outflows last month, combined at $537 million. While UOB, Genting Singapore and Sengkok Marine received the most net institutional inflows, combined at $190 million. For the more passive investors, the SGX-listed ETFs that saw the most trading activity last month include the Lion OCBC Securities Hansing Tech ETF, SPDR Gold Shares ETF and SDI ETF. The results of SDI's March quarterly review was published yesterday as well. There will be no changes to the constituents of the index. There were, however, some changes to the SDI reserve list. Capitaland Escort Trust entered the reserve list, replacing Golden Agri Resources. The list of STI reserve stocks now comprises Sencorp Marine, Olam Group, Suntech Wheat, Fraser Centerpoint Trust and Capitaland Escort Trust. Stocks on the reserve list will replace any constituents that become ineligible as a result of corporate actions before the next STI review. Tan Nai Loon, journalist from the Business Times News Desk, joins us to share her take of the week's drivers. Nai Loon, most of the week, the market has seen something of a slide here. Is that consistent with the rest of the region? Clarissa, for the five trading days ended Thursday, regional markets saw mixed trading. The Straits Times Index lost 0.9% and the FTSE Bursa Malaysia KLCI Index slid 0.2%. Meanwhile, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rose 0.4%, South Korea's Kospi Index gained 0.4% and Japan's Nikkei 225 Index climbed 1.5%. Through the five-day period, investors in the region tracked cautious sentiments on Wall Street. Several key data released in the US in the week pointed that inflation was not slowing down as expected, which resulted in rising concerns of further interest rate hikes. Key indices in the US were in the red for most of the week, as investors priced in their expectations of a higher terminal Fed funds rate ahead of the next Fed meeting in mid-March. This effect rippled to Singapore, with the Straits Times Index, or the STI, tracking the losses on Wall Street over the five-day period. Singapore counters also saw remaining impact from the corporate earnings season. The company, known as the Mercedes-Benz dealer in Singapore, said its net profit for its second half ended 2022 fell 42% on-year, but its revenue was up 18% on the back of stronger performance by its Indonesian arm Astra. Its board also recommended a higher final dividend of 83 US cents per share from 62 US cents per share in 2021. Meanwhile, Venture Corporation was the biggest decliner on the SCI, falling 5% in a five day period. The electronic component manufacturer said its net profit for the second half of 2022 rose 13.8% due to robust customer demand and the introduction of new products. But the outlook for the electronics sector remains uncertain amid a weak global economic climate and rising cost pressures. Economists are expecting that demand may only pick up in the second half of 2023 as China accelerates its reopening. The Purchasing Managers Index for the electronics sector also contracted for the seventh consecutive month in February, although at a slower rate. Overall, Singapore's PMI in February inched up 0.2 points to 50 after five straight months of contraction, the neutral reading of the PMI was largely led by China's reopening and a lower risk of recession in major economies such as the US and Europe. Still to come, we look at notable news for the week with Candice. For the affluent and prudent, 
Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series. Every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg slash podcasts to download or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, Singapore announced several new initiatives to support the growth of various sectors this week. Could you expand on these and highlight other notable news to take into the week ahead? Yeah, definitely. So there were indeed several announcements made by the Singapore government this week. Let me start with the Ministry of Finance, which announced that there will be a new category of government tenders to make it easier for small and medium-sized enterprises to participate. The new category will be called Tender Light, and this will be introduced by the end of this year and will have fewer and simpler conditions. Historically, about 80% of government contracts each year were awarded to SMEs. And this tender-like category will allow more firms to participate in government tenders with values higher than $90,000 but below a million dollars. It is estimated to cover over 70% of the government tenders currently awarded to SMEs. The Ministry of Trade and Industry also announced enhanced funding support of up to 70% of the overall cost for sustainability projects under the Enterprise Development Grant for another three years. At the same time, the government is also looking to help businesses strengthen their knowledge on sustainability through new courses. In an effort to move towards greener supply chain, environmental sustainability criteria will also be added to the evaluation of government tenders for large construction and information and communication technology companies from 2024 onwards. Other than government initiatives, several other data points also came through for Singapore this week. Singapore's services industries recorded a 10.9% year-on-year rise in business receipts in the fourth quarter of 2022, easing from the revised 15.9% growth rate in the third quarter. All services industries in the index grew year-on-year, except for transportation and storage. Recreation and personal services marked the largest jump on the year, up 36.8%. This was mainly due to increased earnings of firms in the gaming and attraction segment in the fourth quarter compared to the year-ago period when stricter COVID-19 restrictions on operating capacity and social gathering group sizes were in place. The latest tranche of Singapore savings bonds saw a rise in yields following a series of decline in recent months. It is offering a first-year interest rate of 3.01% and a 10-year average return of 3.15%. This is higher than the March tranche, which offered first-year interest rate of 2.76% and a 10-year average return of 2.9%. Interest in Singapore savings bonds declined in recent months following a drop in yield, with the March tranche less than half subscribed. Singapore's hotel average room rate eased in January to the lowest since August 2022. The average room rates in January 2023 was up 53% year-on-year, even as it dipped 4.3% from December's 14-year high. The latest figures came as tourist arrivals grew to a new high of over 930,000 since the onset of the pandemic. Most of Singapore's travel-related stocks have also expressed optimism for tourism in 2023 following China's reopening. Resale prices of private condominiums in Singapore dropped for the first time in 28 months as prices slipped in the city fringe and suburban areas, and this dragged overall prices down by 0.6% month-on-month in January. In the rest of central region, prices were down 0.2%, 
while prices within the outside central region fell 1.2%. However, prices in the prime core central region rose by 2.5% in January. Candice, it was another busy earnings reporting week. What corporate news is worth noting? Definitely, Clarissa. As earnings season continues, there are some notable results announcements this week. First of all, UOL announced on Monday that its net profit for second half of 2022 fell 44% year-on-year to $120.8 million. However, full-year earnings were still up 60% to $491.9 million. This was boosted by strong performance from property development and hotel operations. Group revenue for the full year increased 28% to $3.2 billion, with development projects in Singapore and China accounting for slightly over half of the total. Revenue from property development rose 26% on higher progressive revenue recognition from projects in Singapore and Shanghai. Hotel operations also saw a significant revenue increase of 97% due to contributions from the opening of new or refurbished hotels. Looking ahead, UOL believes that there will be a rebound in tourism and higher shopper footfall following the reopening of China and that rents should still remain supported by the low supply pipeline. UMS Group recorded its highest ever annual net profit of $102 million, surpassing the $100 million mark for the first time. This was on the back of record revenue of $372 million. This was also mainly driven by the group's strong sales as well as a reversal of the tax provision made by its Malaysian subsidiary after the resolution of its pioneer tax incentives with the Malaysian government. In light of its record performance, the group has proposed a final tax-exempt dividend of $0.02 per share, bringing full-year total dividends to $0.05 per share. Semcorp Marine posted a significantly narrower net loss of $261 million for FY22 and attributed this to better performance from floater and offshore platform projects, along with stronger contributions from its repairs and upgrades business. These were in turn offset by lower grant income and higher tax expenses. The group had a total of 21 projects under execution during the financial year, of which 12 key projects were scheduled for delivery in the course of the year. The group also secured new contract wins totaling $7 billion over the year. And looking ahead, it believes that the industry outlook for oil and gas, offshore renewables and other green solutions continue to improve amid the ongoing energy transition. With the completion of the merger with Capital O&M, the combined entity will commence implementation of integration initiatives starting with the announcement of Chris Ong, the CEO of Capital O&M, to assume the role as the CEO at the combined entity. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarice Montero with Candice Lee, Market Analyst, LSTX Securities, and Tan Lai Lun, Journalist with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.